What's going on, guys? Welcome back to the Jan and Jamie live show. Every week we try a slightly different format. This week we are in portrait mode, also known as vertical. You know, we're trying to we're trying to get into people's phones. Hopefully they can watch this. And Jamie, welcome back. What are we talking about today? Thanks, bud. Um, we're going to address a few different topics. One's going to be uh, FHA multifamily purchase. You know, more or less the, the basis of what we're going to be discussing is how to build a real estate portfolio from scratch. Um, you know, right. I myself been doing this for a very long time. So uh, I've experienced, you know, multiple clients that have grown well over a million dollar portfolio. Um, and I'm here to try to explain and show you how to do that. Um, okay. With very little money out of your pocket. So, you know. Come right who is, who's ahead. this? Uh, who's this for? Is this for people first time home buyers? Is this for existing homeowners? Can anyone use it? Like, how do you qualify for an FHA? Well, again, yes. So, the blueprint is designed mostly for your first time home buyer. Somebody that's you know, what is the best course of action to take um, when buying your first house? You know, for whether you're single, whether you're a couple, whether you have children. Um, you're currently renting a property. Um, all the same, you know, I'll, I'll discuss how, you know, you can, if you currently own a home and you have a primary residence, how to take advantage of some investment uh, strategies to, to build that real estate, uh, um, real estate portfolio. So okay. starting off uh, as a first time home buyer, um, again, the blueprint that you want to follow here is that's most ideal would be to look into a multifamily property. Um, and there's reasons why I say that. And, you know, going FHA, FHA allows you to put down 3.5% on a multifamily property. If in fact you looked at a multifamily property and you wanted to purchase that um, by going conventional, all the lenders are gonna require you to put down 15%. Now, okay. Purchasing a multifamily property, here's how the bank is going to look at for underwriting purposes to get you approved. They are going to take into consideration the rent uh, that you're collecting from whether it be one unit, two unit, three unit, depending whether it's a one to four family property. Um, that is going to be offset from the mortgage payment that you're going to be um, responsible for to take care of every month for the lender. So. In hindsight, you know, to easily explain this, let's just say your mortgage is $3,000 a month, and that is on a $450,000 multifamily property. If you have a two-family and you're collecting rent from the other side of $1,500, the bank is only going to approve you based on a $1,500 approval rate because you know, they're taking into consideration, you're collecting 1500 They know you're going to rent that other side out. So they're going to right. assume you're collecting that 1500 Hey, we want to know that you could afford this loan, the ability to repay. We're going to qualify you based on $1,500 as your overhead mortgage payment rather than $3,000. What if it's, let me stop you right there. What if it's vacant? How do they determine okay. the rent? Do these rental comps they use an average rental median income based on the geographics of where the property is located okay um, and is most it, important uh, is good no one thing i wanted to note why you, it's an excellent question why you said that um yeah. 
you always want to be leery and self-conscious about when you are looking into these multifamily properties that if there is a tenant in place, which is ideal, mm -hmm. that they're caught up on their rent. You don't want to walk into a situation where somebody is three, four months behind on rent and you're in inheriting that that headache. Um, okay. As you know, in the state of New Jersey, um, you know, and, and many other states, it, it's very hard to evict somebody um, from a property. So, so you they, definitely want to be. Are they going to want to see a lease in underwriting? Um, not for, they may ask for that if we, you know, they're going to do an appraisal and they're going to go off of the appraiser. The appraiser is going to go in there, do a full inspection. He's going to state whether that property is occupied, who's occupying okay. it and or if it's vacant. If it is vacant, they will refer to the average rental median income. If it's not vacant, they may ask for that lease contract that's in place. Um, just to kind of offset what the the expected income is going to be for that unit. Uh, is there a, how many units can be there? Is four the most? Be a fiveplex um, or sixplex? Four is dealing with residential real estate. Um, yeah. Typically, going through that loophole of the FHA, utilizing the three point five percent down. It goes from one to four families. Once you gotcha. exceed four family residents, then they consider it commercial. Uh, okay. There are some lenders out there that will go up to a five family, a six family, and still go residential um, uh, around the commercial um, route. But for the most part, you want to stay within that one to four family realm. And, and again, ideally, getting back to the FHA multifamily purchase, what I would do and what I would recommend is look for a property that needs a little TLC. Um, you know, everybody that wants to look at a turnkey property doesn't have the tunnel vision that you have the ability to do what they call an FHA 203K construction loan. You could apply that even into a multifamily purchase. Mm. So what happens is if you're purchasing a property at a premium of 450,000, but it needs a lot of work, kitchen's a little outdated, bathroom's a little outdated, you can actually finance the construction cost into that project, into your loan, and, and thus come out with more equity on the back end. And the end result to that is you're able to charge more rent. So your cash flow increases all the same as well as your hmm. value. Um, that's a you know huge got a huge upside potential. And again, starting off, you know, if you're a single guy, if you're, you know, you're renting right now with your, your wife, your husband, whoever, whatever the case may be, um, if you have the ability, you know, for your first home purchase, look into that you know, multifamily uh, property. Why? Because it's not your forever home, but it's going to set you up for the future. And one thing I want to mention um, that most people overlook, knowing that this property it can be considered an investment vehicle for you down the road. If you're getting back to what I said earlier, if your mortgage is three thousand, you're collecting fifteen hundred. In this case, you know, let's just say you did some upgrades and some improvements. Now you can collect eighteen fifty. Okay, mm. you're living in your side. You're paying the difference for that mortgage just to meet the monthly debt requirement. You live there for a year. Technically, FHA wants you to live there for 12 months. Then you can move on to another property, and that becomes an investment property for you. Now, rewind. If you were to purchase that multifamily property as an investment, Jane, why wouldn't I do that from the start? 
that's mm. going to cause you to have to come up with 25% down, which is a large chunk of change. Most people don't have that sitting on the sidelines. So the loophole there is go in as your primary. You could put down as little as 3.5% down. You even have that 203K option to finance in those repair costs. Live there for a year as per the FHA requirement. Then when you move out, you can rent your unit all the same. And now you're collecting positive cash flow. Now that mortgage is paid every month by the two tenants mm. paying you rent. And collectively, you should be collecting additional monthly revenue over and above the mortgage, which is your positive cash flow. Now, gotcha. the goal there is to get out of FHA and eventually convert that property into conventional. Um, why? For one reason, you can get out from PMI which is mm -hmm. primary mortgage insurance that you're going to pay. And B, because you can only have one FHA home. So if you do the FHA once, you can't say, all right, well, let's buy the next one, James. I lived here for a year. I got another 3.5% saved up. It's not going to be the case. You're going to have mm -hmm. to go conventional and you're going to have to put, apply 15% down. But if you took the 203K construction loan and you did that for a year, Market pending, sometimes you might be able to get lucky and hit that 20%, you know, equity marker sooner yeah. than later, you know. And, and uh, even if it doesn't, if it takes you longer than a year, let's say it takes you a few years, take that extra cash and rather than say, wow, I got an extra $600 a month, this is great. Obviously, you're working, you're paying your bills. Take that money and apply that towards the principal balance of the loan. Why mm. that is, you're paying less interest, you're gaining more equity in the property for the long-term goal of establishing, converting that into a conventional mortgage, whereas you can buy another FHA multifamily property with 3.5% down. Now, keeping in mind this strategy, a lot of you guys might have children or might want to have children. If you do have children, this is an excellent way to provide their college fund and still hold on to an asset. Now let's look at it like this. You buy a 450, a $500,000 multifamily property. You only put up 3.5% to get into that property. After a year, you're renting that out to other individuals. Now you're collecting positive cash flow. You're banging down that principal, sending that extra three, four, $500, whatever that is towards the principal balance. In 18 to 20 years, let's just say if you have a child, if they're a young child, if you know you plan to have children within 18 or 20 years, you will have enough equity in that property to do what they call a cash out refi to cover that kid's college fund. And in return, mm. you maintain your asset, do a cash out refi, cover their college, and the wheel just starts over and you still hold on to your investment and onward we go. Um, you know, a lot of people, you know, will, and I'm not taking anything away from financial advisors. Obviously there's other outlets there. There's other strategies in place with your investments to, to kind of put money aside, gain interest on that money, whether it be through whole life or, uh, some of the other options that they offer, but through real estate, ideally, you know, not only can you hold on to that property. And at that point you took out the cash, your kids in college, you're still cash flow positive. If you're retired at that point, God willing, hopefully that is the case, that's extra money in your pocket. And or 
you can add your son to mortgage and deed on that property. And now they have an asset for the future for themselves. You know, they maintain that, the, the, that property. It gives them a sense of how the real estate world works. All the same, they're going through college. It's fully paid for by your initial 3.5% down payment that you applied just by utilizing what's available to you. So Yeah, which might, may have only been $15,000, you know. Well, could, hey, it very well could be. All the same, if you take into consideration that the banks are going to assume that you're renting out that one unit, you are allowed to afford that much more of a property. So if you were okay. approved for a $300,000 single family home, you know, beautiful home, nice backyard, that's great. And your mortgage is $3,000 a month. That's where you're capped at. But given the fact that you're going to receive rents, you might be approved for a 550000 multifamily property because you're offsetting that mortgage debt obligation. And in the long run, you want to purchase a home or you want to purchase real estate for the long game, you know, to have passive yeah. income in the future. This, work, this works for mixed use properties too, right? Can uh, the first floor be commercial and the second floor be residential? Uh, absolutely. Absolutely. A mixed use. So uh, a lot of times we can get you into a program where there's an operating business down below, you know, and that's where yeah. you can take advantage of the SBA, SBA loans that we offer. Um, mm -hmm. If you maintain, I think we discussed that in an earlier show, if you maintain over 51% of that retail space, you know, right. all the same, there's two, three units upstairs that you're renting out. Yeah, you got yourself a great cash flowing property. If you don't assume that, you know, you might have to come up with a little more of a larger down payment if you're not running that business down below. So, okay. Um, so, last, last, yeah, uh, last thing, I just want to talk about the exit strategy of you're there for a year or two, and now you want to go to maybe your primary residence or another investment property. Do I have to, you said I could only have one FHA loan at a time, right? Sure. So, what so happens the, the next is, place I got to buy is conventional. So it'd have to be at least 5% down. 15%, 15%. Oh. So market pending, if you get lucky, let's just say, hey, you ride it out. You know, some of my most successful clients, um, you know, one of my clients is a very dear personal friend of mine. He, he was a cop up North, North Jersey. And, you know, he came to me. I spoke in front of the entire precinct. Um, for the PBA. And he approached me and pulled me aside and said, listen, I have two kids. I don't know where to start. We're renting. And, you know, the proof is in the pudding uh, with him. He purchased his first multifamily investment following the strategy of the 203K, 3.5% down. Now, staying there might have took him a few years, but he was diligent in applying those extra principal payments to paying down that principal balance of the loan, thus gaining more equity. As you, as I mm. mentioned, once you have 20% equity, you can refinance into conventional, and then you can exploit and take advantage of that another 3.5% down on the next multifamily. Now, luckily for okay. him, you know, he gained the equity from the doing the construction upgrades financing that initially into the original purchase. You also applied those additional payments. It was a matter of around 24 months and he was able to refi into a conventional. From there, now he caught on to, you know, how all this strategy, how this works. He went from a two family. Now he had a three family. 
And the original purchase was a half a million dollars. Now his new purchase was $700,000. Because he mm. quickly realized if I have to come up with 3.5% down, where can I go wrong? And that, now I, I want to purchase as much as I possibly can based on the income and what money I have put aside. So for thirty-five dollars or $40,000 out of his pocket, he was able to obtain the better half of a $700,000 property that was a three-family uh, property at that time. He moved his family into the one side. At this point, he's renting out his original two-family. He's got the new right. three-family. He's collecting those two months' rent. Uh, all in all, his mortgage was maybe $400 after collecting wow. those two other rents and paying that towards now, again, his wife, you know, he continues to have children. Long story short, his wife wants the, the forever home. I'm done with this multifamily, which is the case. You know, I need the best. Yeah, happens. Want the dream home, you know? Right. Um, yeah. You know, at this point, he, he just, I just closed him earlier this year. Um, it was a span of around five years, and he just bought himself a nice million-dollar mansion for him and his wife. He's got wow. three family. He's got the two family. He's got over $2.7 million in real estate, and I could tell you he did all of that with less than $150,000 out of his pocket. Yeah. Uh, with passive income, so you think, you know, he's, he's a police officer, so he's collecting pension. Over and above yeah. his pension, he's going to be able to collect that passive income once those properties are paid off. Um, you know, if his kids want to go to college, all the same, he can take advantage of what I mentioned earlier um, by doing that cash out refi, sending them off to school. So you start wow. off with the FHA. If yep. you don't have the ability to get lucky, you know, the fortune enough to, to have that equity market turns not in your favor over the next year or two. Um, and you really want to move on to another property. Um, you want to look at, you know, the long game, you know, as long as you can before you feel like you're in a position where you've outgrown uh, the situation and you need to settle down in that single family house. Before you do that, you want to at least get a couple investment vehicles under your belt before you go buy that dream home, you know, gotcha. and, and even if it was a, a single family house, you know, you know, look to bite the bullet somewhere to take advantage of that multifamily property, if you can, in the transitional period, because the benefits in the, of what comes in the future is worth its weight in gold. And I would say, you know, yeah, the uh, tax benefits, everything, everything. Yeah. Tax benefits, the write offs there, the deductions for tax appreciation. Purposes on your Schedule A of real estate owned. Um, absolutely. And all the same, listen, if you have to come up with 15%, you have to come up with the 15%, you know, and, you know, you have to be diligent in, in saving your money because nobody wants to work forever. And I strongly believe that, you know, you can get to early retirement sooner than later by investing in real estate. You know, the passive income that comes in real estate, yeah. the you that comes into that um some of the most wealthiest people in the country in the world are rich from real estate you know that is the majority where their holdings come right. from and, and you know that passive income that i mentioned uh you know not everybody has that pension some people are self-employed and they have to procreate that for themselves and a way to do that is by investing into real estate um down the road at one point your investment vehicle yeah. is going to for itself you know, or you're going to, you know, live it out, whatever the case may be. And then that's you rent those properties out. And, you, you know, 
the goal is to always hold your real estate. It's not necessarily to sell. You only want to sell your real estate uh, holdings when it's absolutely necessary, when you absolutely have to. Um, right. But hold, hold, hold is my advice there. And again, once you own these properties, always keep in the back of your mind um, that you could always buy a second home, a condo, wherever in the destination, whether it be Florida, somewhere where you like to travel. Um, and technically mm -hmm. that you only have to put down 10% and you immediately would go conventional. You could put down 10%. You could also do that with a friend or another family member. Mm -hmm guys can kind of split that investment, you know, 10%. If you only have 5% at the time, not that much to come up with. Uh, you could certainly find these condos. Now, if you find a condo in Florida, I'm using that as an example because I have some holdings down there. And I could tell you, you know, the Airbnb potential. People like to travel there during the winter times. Huge upside potential. You know, now yeah. you, you the potential of a, an investment vehicle, you purchase it as a second home, you utilize it, you know, X amount of time out of the year. And the other times when you're not there, you look to put that on, on an Airbnb or set somebody in there for a three month stint um, and collect yeah. that money. Down the road, that extra pass, that extra rental income is helping chip away at that block that you owe the mortgage company. So once that mortgage is paid off, again, it's like an investment vehicle for you. You know, and it's, yeah. it's another area that you could take advantage of with only 10% down. And if you're working with a good agent, you know, they could tell you what an additional bedroom or a, an additional bathroom would add to the appraisal value or the rent rentability or rent roll for the property. Um, so if you could find a dilapidated property that needs work, but it's got enough room to add, add a bedroom or add another bathroom, that's how you really scale up. Um so, you know, yeah. we could certainly help you with that, you know, as we're as we're looking at those. But I think this is a good point to wrap up. Jamie, uh, thanks for your yeah. insight, as always. Uh, I think the next show we'll be doing uh, fix and flips. We'll be talking more about those. And uh, listen, guys, this is how you get rich in real estate. This is how you get rich in life. I mean, you, know, you can only make so much as a W-2. The government <laughs> takes half. You know, <laughs> real estate is a, is a much better way to go. Keep what you make. Amen. All right, guys. Thank you. And we'll see you in the next one. Thanks. Thank you.